Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dungeon Dive Hobbycast. I hope everybody is doing well. And today's topic is going to be the 10 things that I look for in a really good dungeon crawl or adventure game. And we don't really have any preambles or really any uh, housekeeping to take care of uh, in this episode episode two, so we're just going to jump right into it. Now, I'm not saying that these are the only things that I look for or that if a game doesn't have like a lot of these that I won't like it because there are some games. There's at least one game in my top 10 that doesn't have a lot of these qualities, but what it does have is a lot of fun factor. And so but when I'm thinking, if I were to design my own dungeon crawl or adventure game, or I would pay somebody to design a game tailor-made for me, these are 10 things that I would find very important in determining how much I would enjoy the game. So let's get right into it. Uh, the first one is an extensive bestiary. And oh, by the way, these are not really in, in any order. So an extensive, an extensive bestiary, what I mean by that is the game has a lot of monsters, a lot of different uh, monsters for you to face, for you to fight, and they feel different. It's not just like reskins of the same monsters, uh, the monsters or the adversaries that you're going to be fighting. Uh, they, they do feel different. They, they have different stats. They have different powers. Maybe you have to uh, use some different tactics. And I really appreciate that when it when it is right out of the box, when you can open up a game and you have a lot of options right away. And so what I'm gonna do is I go through these topics. I'm gonna take a look at the games that were in my top 10 because I just finished my top 50 games of all time. And I'm gonna to mention the games in my top 10 that I think do this particular rule well. And the first of those is a Warhammer Quest from 1995. Uh, that has a it comes with that roleplay book that just has an absolute ton of monsters right out of the box to use all kinds of different powers. Of course, you don't have the minis, but you can always proxy. And, and if you already had the minis from Warhammer Fantasy Battle, then you were all set. A Warhammer Quest Silver Tower does if you buy the Chaos Adversary pack separately. And that adds a lot of uh, really cool monsters that you can use. Uh, Sleeping Gods... And the next three, Sleeping Gods, Machina, Arcana, and Explore It. They don't really have bestiaries because you're, you're just kind of flipping over cards. You're not choosing the monsters to face. But all three of those games do have a very good variety of different monsters to fight. And they do feel different, especially Explore It and Sleeping Gods. And for very different reasons. Um, or I should say, I'm sorry, uh, Machina, Arcana, and Sleeping Gods. Uh, the, the monsters in Machina Arcana have very interesting and very different powers. And the monsters in Sleeping Gods, uh, they have this weird kind of like spatial element where you have to, to destroy them in certain ways and, and apply splash damage to adjacent monsters. And it's really cool. And then finally, of course, uh, where there is Warhammer Quest, there is its derivative Shadows of Brimstone. And once you start uh, the base games, while they don't have a ton of variety, once you start adding in expansions, um, you can get just get like close to probably a hundred or so different monsters that all have different powers. So that was number one, an extensive bestiary. And let's see here, uh, number two 
we have um, if the game has an extensive campaign if the game has a long campaign I prefer it to have a character campaign over a narrative campaign and what I mean by that is I want my characters to be persistent from game to game and I don't necessarily just want to read a long novel broken up into chapters from it game to game and really the only two games in my top 10 that are like this are Warhammer Quest and where it goes so does uh, Shadows of Brimstone follow. Those are perfect examples of narrative campaigns. The stories that you are playing, the stories that you are reading from mission to mission, from quest to quest are practically non-existent. It's like one or two paragraphs at the most. What you are more concerned with is that kind of keeping your character alive, creating the life of your character while they were on these quests. And that is the kind of campaign I prefer. Some of the other games on my top 10 do have campaigns and I do appreciate it when they are shorter. So Machina Arcana has, they're kind of, it's kind of like a long game. It's a, they're, they're very short campaigns or very long games. And Sleeping Gods, I think, is probably my perfect narrative style campaign because while you are reading through a pre-scripted narrative it's it is short enough that you uh, that i want to finish it and most most importantly it's short enough and well written enough that i want to finish it multiple times so that was number two i prefer a character campaign over a narrative campaign and if you have a narrative campaign uh let's keep it short and well written uh, number three is going to be fast-paced combat. So I talked a little bit about this in my last episode of what I talk about when I talk about dungeon diving. And uh, as a side note, I think those episodes are going to be coming over to the podcast feed. And I'm also probably going to be, when I make those episodes, I'm probably going to be uh, keeping them more like just an audio podcast rather than just my talking head. This episode here could have easily been an episode of what I talk about when I talk about dungeon diving. But fast-paced combat, I don't like combat that just kind of draws on and on where the two combatants are just sitting, you know, base to base, many to many, standee to standee, and you just take turns going back and forth, rolling dice, whittling away. It's just kind of this war of attrition. Uh, to me, that's not very exciting. I like my combat to be snappy, you know, set it up, roll a few dice, play a few cards, and it's done. And I think Warhammer Quest Silver Tower does that pretty well. I never feel like I'm just chipping away at, at too much health. Um, Machina Arcana is great for that. The monsters don't usually have a lot of health, and you're usually, when you engage in combat, it's usually pretty quick and deadly. Um, Escape the Dark Castle is definitely fast-paced combat. You're just rolling a handful of dice and you're, you are, uh, it only lasts like maybe two or three rounds. And of course, uh, Talisman. Uh, <laughs> Talisman has super fast combat. It's not tactical or anything at all. So that was fast paced combat. Uh, number four, my uh, another thing that I really enjoy in these kinds of games are non-combat encounters. And you will see that a lot of the games in my top 10 have things to do while you are playing other than combat. There are other verbs besides uh, fighting, other actions besides taking a violent approach. And 
Um, Secret of the Lost Tomb has just a tremendous amount of non-combat encounters in those adventure and misadventure cards. Warhammer Quest has all of the event cards in there in the event deck. Warhammer Silver Tower has uh, that whole book of random non-combat events. Sleeping Gods has a ton of stuff. Uh, Machina Arcana has the horror cards that often have these little non-combat events and the different uh, chapters for the campaign, the small campaigns, will often have you doing non-combat things to progress. Explore It has all kinds of random non-combat encounters and things to do. Escape the Dark Castle does, and of course, Shadows of Brimstone. So as you can see, a lot of my games in the top 10 really do have other things to do besides fighting, and I always appreciate when a game does that. Uh, Talisman, also Talisman has uh, different kinds of events that you can have that are more than just rolling dice to attack things. Okay, so number five. Number five is um, if it is a dungeon crawl, if you are going into dungeons, I want there to be things to do outside the dungeon. I want the dungeon to be part of the game, not the whole game. And of course, uh, Warhammer Quest 1995 is that you have that whole settlement event. You have the travel phase. You know, the, uh, the dungeon is like probably half the game and then another half is broken into two and so you have uh you know 25 percent is a travel phase and 25 percent is the settlement phase i really like that a lot of course shadows of brimstone does that really well and then two that are kind of weird are sleeping gods and talisman so talisman the dungeon expansion is a different board so in talisman you're kind of like the dungeon is an escape from the overworld and Sleeping Gods is the same way. You have the dungeon expansion. So sometimes you go into dungeons and sometimes you are out of the dungeons. But it's not quite the same as Warhammer Quest or Shadows of Brimstone. But I did just want to kind of mention that. All right, so number six. Uh, number six, another thing that I like is cool loot. And by cool loot, I mean not just things that add more numbers. I like when there's a little hint of lore little something to add a little bit of spice to the game rather than rather than just making the numbers bigger rather than just making your character more deadly even if it's just like one or two sentences of lore um, a cool piece of art something that you can attach a little bit of character to the loot uh, secrets of the lost tomb does this really well of course, Warhammer Quest does as well. Sleeping Gods has all of those like artifacts, the talismans that you are looking for. Uh, Machina Arcana is like overflowing with cool loot and the way you can combine it and the way it adds different powers to your characters. Really neat. When you get new loot in Machina Arcana, it feels really good. Uh, Shadows of Brimstone has a ton of gear and all kinds of different things and it does have some good lore. And also, I think Talisman has some cool loot, especially in the art department, especially in second edition when you're dealing with some of that old school art. All right, next up, number seven is stat checks. I like when your characters have stats like dexterity or agility or strength or wisdom or intelligence, arcana, uh, movement, um, you know, uh, cunning. I like when, when your characters have stats, when you can build them up and when those stats come into play usually it is in conjunction with non-combat encounters so of course uh, secrets of the lost tomb you're making stat checks all the time i love it 
explore it every turn you're rolling against your three survival stats and you can upgrade those stats and you can have all kinds of uh, different interactions with the game depending on those stats. And really, the, I think kind of like the king in this realm is, is Shadows of Brimstone. Shadows of Brimstone does an excellent job of incorporating your character's overall build, not just their combat abilities, but also their non-combat abilities into the game and into all of its non-combat encounters. So Shadows of Brimstone really is king in this, uh, in this territory. All right, number eight. Um, I like it. I prefer co-op and solo versus one versus many. And I also like it when the game scales with the number of heroes as opposed to the number of players. So I am going to do a whole episode soon on co-op, solo, and one versus many, and uh, competitive games, talking about all of those and why I prefer one over the other. But in this instance, I like when a game, so like if a game is balanced for four heroes, I like it if I wanna play solo and I just wanna play two heroes, I can easily adjust the game to uh, accommodate that or maybe go down to one hero. Secrets of the Lost Tomb does this, I think pretty well, except for when you get down to the one hero because your one hero has like 13 movement or 13 actions or something you can take on a turn and it gets a little ridiculous. But with two or three heroes, it's really fun. It does a good job of balancing because you offset the lower number of heroes by giving your heroes more move or more action points and you let them start the game with allies. Uh, Machina Arcana scales incredibly well. You can you can like very easily, not easily that the game is easy, but it scales down to one hero and it's a fun game with one hero. Uh, same as Hexplorit. Hexplorit plays really well with two heroes and I've seen people play with one. Um, Shadows of Brimstone also does this pretty well, although it's har much harder at odd numbers than it is at even numbers. So if you're gonna play one hero, it is a lot harder than it is than, uh, with, than playing with two. All right, so that was number eight. And then now number nine. Number nine is a sense of exploration. So I have a whole episode of what I talk about when I talk about dungeon diving based on exploration. I will get that over to the podcast feed soon. But what I mean by a sense of exploration is I know that games don't really have exploring. You're dealing with a closed system. But I like to feel, I like to feel like I am discovering things while I'm playing. And I like to feel that there is a chance that something really crazy can happen. Secrets of the Lost Tomb is, is absolutely king of this, just in the way that the tiles work with the adventure cards and the scenario. It's a perfect kind of just um, melting pot of those elements that create a sense of exploration. Warhammer Quest does a pretty good job. A uh, silver tower, I think, does a good job with the most like limited amount of um, of components out of all of these games. Sleeping Gods is a great game for exploration because you can just once the game starts, you can set out in any direction you want to, and you will come across really cool things to experience. Um, Hexplore it has a great sense of exploration and you are building the map as you are moving around the hexes, as you are finding different quests to go on, different monsters to fight. It does feel like a great expansive overworld to explore. 
and of course shadows of brimstone shadows of brimstone this is where shadows of brimstone is just not quite as good as warhammer quest just because it is a more linear exploration the the the, the ex exploring through the different um, mines doesn't really mean anything because you can never really find a dead end but it does offer that sense of exploration because of the random elements and uh, finally, speaking of random elements, number 10, I like lots and lots of random elements in my games. I love randomness. I like not knowing what's going to happen. I like making a plan and having it, having it be completely ejected out of the window because of randomness. And uh, as you can tell, a lot of my games on my top 10 have a lot of randomness. Secrets of the Lost Tomb, Warhammer Quest, Warhammer Quest Silver Tower, Explore It, Escape the Dark Castle, Shadows of Brimstone, Talisman, Dungeon Quest. All of these games are really built around random things happening and then expecting the players to react. I like taking a reactive mode to the games that I play. And I find that I have the most fun when I do that. So those are the 10 things that I look for in a really good dungeon crawl or adventure game that was an extensive bestiary character campaign over narrative campaign fast-paced combat non-combat encounters things to do outside the dungeon uh, just a change of scenery i think is a good way to think of that cool meaningful loot stat checks uh co-op solo and scales with number of heroes not number of players sense of exploration and lots of random elements so all right everybody i hope you enjoyed this second episode of the dungeon dive hobby cast and we will talk to you later bye bye